Sir, my goodness. Sir. <sighs> sir. Love drugs. Oh my gosh. How long have you been doing heroin for, sir? Um, about 10 years now. And you just live on the street here in San Francisco? Mm-hmm. Okay, sir, sir. Oh, it's, I've, yes. I want to stop you, but I also don't want to touch you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we've started a new program where now we're paying drug addicts around $100 to stop doing drugs. Does that sound like a good program to you? You're going to pay me to not do drugs? Yes, $100. I can give you $100 right now. Please stop. Please, I, I will pay you anything to stop right now, actually. I'm sober now. Money. Here you go, sir. Thank you. Okay, we're oh. gonna we're gonna check back in right here, maybe in a couple of weeks. Make sure you haven't done any drugs oh, or anything. Oh no, but definitely won't. But I can get more money if I don't. If I say I, or I don't do drugs. Yes, monthly payments, sir. Perfect. Bye. Bye, sir. Oh, yo, intern Tyler, I got I got that money for you. If you can give me some more drugs, these stupid idiots at the government think that I'm gonna stop doing drugs because now I have free money. Sir, I can hear you. scene guys we're gonna get into our first story but i want to let you know we have some crazy stuff going on today that we are going to show you we have an interview with yanmi park we're going over a viral jocko willing video we're also talking about class segregation that is happening with some young kids and i believe a kindergarten class and lastly texas banning abortions past the detection of a heartbeat so a lot of crazy stories to go over today now the first one that we're going to get into and why we did the opening skit with Will doing heroin. It was a very convincing act, I must say. That's how they do it, right? <laughs> that's how they do it. That's how they, that, That's how I've always done it. <laughs> Fine. You know, that's how I've always done it, too. So. Uh, we're getting into a story out of San Francisco. Read the headline here, ladies and gentlemen. San Francisco will pay people to not shoot others cash for criminals in quotations there so san francisco is rolling out a new pilot program that will pay high-risk individuals to not shoot anyone as gun crimes tick up in the city so apparently this is what's going to be called small investments in the community where uh, this group called the Dreamkeeper Fellowship is going to pay 10 individuals who are at high risk of being either at the end of a shooting or involved in some sort of shooting $300 each per month to not be involved in such crimes. Now, this is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard, short of the skit we did, uh, where I paid Will to not do drugs, but that's also something that is being pondered here in California, paying people not to be addicted to drugs. Now, imagine entering a high-risk community of gang violence, drug violence, prostitution-related violence, and going, you know what? Let me assess who the high-risk individuals are, who would typically be people who are criminals or prior criminals, and say, let me give them $300 and ask them not to do crimes. Blows my mind. Absolutely not going to work. Why why do I have to pay someone to not do crimes? I don't commit crimes. I don't go and shoot people. I don't go and do drugs. Why do I not get paid? Should I get paid too? I feel like that's only fair for them to come on and say, oh, we're going to give you money. But then they give money to people who aren't who, who might commit crimes. It's like killers don't deserve money. They deserve time in jail to be separated from people who don't commit crimes like that. Well, let's not forget that we reward bad behavior in the society. Bad is good, good is bad now, so you don't deserve payment for being an upstanding citizen. We should pay people who aren't upstanding citizens to stop. You have to punish people for bad behavior. You can't just let people get away with bad behavior and say, oh, that's totally fine, and we're actually going to give you money now because we think you might shoot someone. 
We think you might shoot someone, so we're going to give you money to stop shooting people. That's not going to make people stop shooting people, okay? Right. And they did this, this study in Sacramento you know, on the Fox News thing. Uh, in that article, I mean, it talks about how in Sacramento it didn't really work all that well, and they tried something similar to this. It's like you can't pay people to do something like that. You have to incentivize them with either negative punishment or something that is actually fulfilling for their life that is going to help them. Why do people commit these crimes in the first place? Mostly for a lot of economic problems, right? And so it's like you need to be able to fix the economic problems in this place, not just make it worse by paying people money. I mean, it's essentially just like welfare. Right, but don't worry. Apparently the payments are going to be given out on gift cards so that they can monitor where the money goes to. Uh-huh. So Gift cards to where? I'm I'm assuming Visa gift cards, just if I had to guess. But I'm sure you could buy drugs with Visa gift cards. Oh, I don't. I'm I sure don't, they do. I'm sure at some point you could just trade it off to some, one, some I don't know, one of your guys and yeah. get drugs for Listen, it. Listen, obviously, I have nineteen dollars and seventeen cents. How much crack can that get me? <laughs> I'll trade you. <laughs> I'll trade you this Target gift card. Yeah. I'm gonna trade you this Jimmy John's reward card. <laughs> For drugs. It has seven stamps in it. One more, you get half <laughs> off in your next sub. <laughs> and the guy's so, like, Man. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. And they're pretty fast Jimmy in John. those commercials. Yeah, yeah, I do love Jimmy John's. <laughs> it's like, ding, ding, Jimmy John's. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. How it dumb is, is that? That is, it sounds really stupid. And it is super stupid. And it's never worked ever before. They've, they've actually been programs where they've tried this before, sort of incentivizing people to not commit crimes. And would you believe it? It does not work. And the crime rate does not change. And right now, our crime rate is pretty much growing exponentially. I can't imagine that throwing some money at a problem, which the government loves to do, uh, is going to fix it. Well, the government loves to do that because the government aren't the ones who are paying for these types of programs. The government, during the entire pandemic, they didn't lower any of their salaries. The people in Congress and the people who in local municipalities, like all these people, they didn't lower their their salaries during this entire time. Right. But the rest of us had where we weren't able to work and we had to pay even more taxes to, to pay for these people, um, to pay for COVID stuff. Right. And it's like, but these people in power, they, they're fine with taking other people's money and spending it however see, they see fit because their allowance is not going to be changed. Right. And I... We did a police ride along with some police officers from LA South Central and they talked about punishment and how it needs to be swift and it needs to be harsh because people do not realize uh, the error of their ways until they have negative reinforcement, until they get punishment for what they've done. And to award people with money to not commit crimes is just a ridiculous idea. And I can't imagine this being put in front of a board and saying, you know what, here's here's the plan, guys. $300 a month to stop people from committing gun crimes. And everybody on the board going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure, I'll sign off on that. I, I can't imagine that room. Yeah, they're like, whatever. I'll sign off on that. I got to get to my reservation at the French Laundry. I don't have any time yeah. to actually look at what's going on. Let's not forget that San Francisco is also the city that chose to decriminalize shoplifting. So I'm not super surprised. Yeah, so then they get to steal stuff, and then they also get paid. Gosh. What <laughs> now, this world. is only rolling out, we'll be frank here, this is only rolling out for a, a subset of individuals right. within within the city. So it's not like everyone is going to be getting paid. But regardless, it's the principle. And the principle is that it's a stupid concept that is only positive reinforcement for bad behavior. And you, you can't have a society that's that runs like that. No, you cannot. It's completely 
ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. And I hope this plan goes no further than the 10 individuals that they're planning to do it with so far. Uh, now let's get into the next segment of the day. And that is an amazing interview that we got to do with none other than Yanmi Park. Uh, you guys know her, I'm, I'm sure her story has circulated uh, all across. She's been on Jordan Peterson, she's been on Joe Rogan, she's been on a ton of big name podcasts and shows. But without further ado, Let's have her on our show and see what she has to say. Okay, guys. So today we have a very, very special guest by the name of Yeonmi Park. She is a North Korean defector and also the writer of In Order to Live, A North Korean Girl's Journey to Freedom. Yeonmi, thank you so much for being on the program. Oh, thank you so much for having me. She's like a dream. <laughs> that yeah. People don't usually say that to me. No. They usually say it's a nightmare. So <laughs> this is exciting. And Amla said very, very special guest, which is yeah. most just get a very special guest, but you got very, very um, so. So it's, it's very nice. And so let's start out with just a lot of people might not know who you are, might not know about your story, why you're important. And, and to be honest, I'm not just saying this because you're here to be to be flattering. But I think the things that you're talking about right now within your book and where you've gone on tons of different shows, Jordan Peterson, to talk about is your story. And people don't understand what total government control is really like. So mm -hmm. if you could just quickly tell us about, you know, your story, where you came from and, and what you've seen. Wow, where did I begin? It's <laughs> yeah, a long yeah. one. No, I know. I, I asked a hard question. No, but yeah, I was born in North Korea in 1993. So I'm pretty old. <laughs> Sorry. Pretty old? You're yeah. about the same age as me. Really? Okay. Yeah. I know, but uh, that was right after Soviet Union collapsed. And North Korea is so-called the socialist paradise. And But the thing is, I did not even know, I never even seen the map of the world. You know, there's no, we don't even know what internet is. We don't even have this electricity. And I eventually had to escape at 13 because I was starving. And millions of that people dying right now, even right now, dying from starvation. That is completely man-made by the dictator. It's like North Korea's like hunger games, right? They're using a hunger to control the population. So I escaped to China in 2007 at 13. And when I went there, uh, I was bought as a sex slave and sold for less than $300. And two years of slavery, I eventually found a way to escape from China, which means crossing the frozen Gobi Desert by foot when I was 15 years old. So I was successfully crossed the frozen Gobi Desert and arrived in Mongolia. A few months later, I was sent to South Korea and that's how I became free. Wow. That is, uh, I was just talking to my sister this morning and I was, I was like, guess who I'm interviewing today? And I told her that it was you. And she's like, oh my goodness, I just finished her book. And oh. yes, yeah, so she just finished <laughs> her book. And she's like, my boyfriend has been walking in on me crying while she's been reading your book mm -hmm. about just how powerful it is and, and how impactful that story is. Because I think one thing that's important to know is that we have people here in America who... I mean, are complaining about the smallest things. They have this sort of oppression and the world is out to get them and it's so horrible. Mm -hmm. When in reality, they have so many privileges and comforts that yeah. someone like you never, never had. Are, are you seeing anything similar from North Korea to what you're seeing in a government like America today? I mean, I, it's so millions of similarities that I see, right? Like... I went to Columbia University and I did my BA there for the last four years. 
I could not believe. So at some point, I was literally thinking, am I sitting in the North Korean classroom, actually, mm. uh, American classroom, you know, in North Korea, like they make the enemy, right? They have to blame somebody and they have to keep united us to hate the enemy, which was American bastards. That was like a one word for us. And like even as a child, they say there are four American bastards. You kill two of them. Then how many American bastards left to kill? That's like entire thing is a propaganda. But now I'm sitting in Manhattan, Columbia University. They say that white men are the source of every evil. Right. <laughs> they are responsible for pretty much every single problem that we have. And this is the exact same narrative that North Korean regime teaches like the people to brainwash. But I was like, I mean, why are you brainwashing these people? And it's supposedly the one of the best education system. And not only that, like talking about white guilt, white privileges, like what the heck? Like I have a son who is a half white right now. He is not responsible for slavery that happened, mm-hmm. right? And like in North Korea, because your great great grandfather was a landowner, they say your blood is forever tainted, that you are forever guilty in that system. North Korean regime, even though saying there's a socialist system, let's like they divide people into fifty one different classes. Slavery still exists in North Korea, and they say. I mean, America is the worst country in the world. So it's just heartbreaking to see that this wonderful country is being destroyed by these people who are so misled, so blinded. And I mean, but how do I blame them? Their education, even at Ivy League school, is so misinformed. Right. You talk a lot about your experience meeting people in America who cry about oppression and how you can't relate to them at all. And a specific story of of girls in college telling you about their boyfriends and dates and how Mm -hmm. you couldn't imagine that they were seeing these things as problems. Do you find that your story is helping break through that barrier with people and waking people up? I do think so. Uh, I until last year, you know, for me to survive as as an activist, I had to like pretend I was like a politically correct and liberal person. And eventually, I got robbed in Chicago last year, like on the middle of the street by this uh, few black women, and they were punching me. But the people on the street was not defending me. They were calling me I'm a racist because I was trying to call the police on these thieves. And like anybody can be a thief, like mm-hmm. Asian can be a thief. We can be a murderer. We can be a rapist. I was raped by Asian men, not the white men. It's nothing. Your color doesn't matter. You didn't choose your color, but seeing that how people are obsessed with the color, and that's when I was like, oh, I need to st- like I need to speak out. I thought just the schools were crazy. I thought they were just they were really with the walk and ordinary. But no, no, the people on the street now everybody's infected by this poisonous ideology. Everyone is crazy. You figure that out. I go and talk to people on the streets. I mean, all the time. And you just realize that people have no idea what's really going on, have no Mm. idea what true oppression is. And that just goes to show how, I mean, how good people have it in America. When you were when you were in North Korea, did you find that most people who were living there knew that they were being oppressed? Or did you feel like it was kind of like they had gotten so accustomed to their quote unquote shackles Mm. that they didn't even know or look to any different way of life that's the thing in north korea there's no word for oppression so you don't know what that is it's a georgia over 1984 double speak who controls the language who controls the thoughts so they get rid of the word love so you don't know what that is they get rid of oppression slavery liberty you know and even gay literally 
we don't know what that is. It's not in our dictionary. And if you don't know the word, that means you don't know the concept. That's how they control your thoughts. So in North Korea, there's no word for I. Like even when I say I like like Korean food, I say we love Korean food. That is like the ultimate direction where we are going towards, where you are not gonna even know that you're oppressed. So now I'm like sitting at Columbia, people saying how they are systemically oppressed. I'm like, do you know? Do you know people who are actually oppressed? They don't mm. know that they are oppressed, and that's what the North Korean people have no clue. Yeah. yeah. Wow. How, how did you stay so resilient during this? I mean, something like that. I mean, I don't know what I would have done in that situation. I don't think I would have had the strength or capacity <laughs> to do what you did. You can't even I, imagine it. Oh, you can't even imagine it. How how did you stay so strong throughout all that and said, I'm going to persevere and keep going and, and not give up? How did you do that? So it is a funny thing. Like, uh, I mean, like, it's I mean, being so separate from my mom and just seeing so much death, right? But the thing is, Dying is actually the easiest thing in life. Literally, it takes a few minutes. Living is the hardest thing. And once you understand that, I think you choose to live because it's the hardest thing, it's the right thing to do. Mm. And not only that, like I think my father told me that life was a gift no matter what, no matter what life throws at you. So I think that my parents' love, despite not knowing that was love, still like I think instinctively I knew it. and. But I think really the thing is like the will to survive is stronger than any force in life. So I bet if you guys you know, inform your death, you're going to move the mountains. Literally, right. that's how strong human beings are. And this culture right now with this like the trigger warnings and to bubble wrapping these children, it's so heartbreaking because we are so resilient, you are so strong, but you are almost like disabled them. They mm. become disabled after this going through this education in America. And that's the thing, like, that's, I see that they have so much potential, but this, they are killing those potential in these children and people, really. So, lastly, what do you hope to see from Americans who really don't know how bad it is in North Korea? I know your, your main goal is to bring light to that because mm -hmm. there are still millions of people suffering there. Mm -hmm. What is your message to them? It's, uh, that's the thing, like, uh, you know, now more than 4 billion people, more than half of the humanity are not free. We are living in so much dictatorship, authoritarian regime. Even look at China, 1.3 billion people are not free. And what is happening in North Korea is a modern day Holocaust. And people do not understand they are living in a bubble, really. Like, people don't even know what freedom is. And here they're talking about, you know, how bad they have, like, why they can be a vegan, why they can fighting for human, I mean, animals' rights, why there are billions of people don't know even what human rights is. I think that's, but the thing is, they never were learning about these things. That's why, why you guys are so important. You're telling people, educating people. I think really the education in the, is the only way for us to move forward and work together. Great message. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh, it's truly inspiring. I wish more people would hear your message. Uh, it, it, it's sad that your message that you're coming on now, people will consider PragerU this conservative group <laughs> right. think. That, and it's like we're talking about freedom. Yeah. And some people on the left wouldn't even listen to you in this incredible story mm -hmm. because you might align yourself with something that might be free, freedom conservative. Yeah. Have, have you noticed that? Have you noticed that people on the other side might not want to speak with you? Of course. So that's the thing. Like now they say I'm a Nazi. Oh I'm a goodness. racist. But like in North yes. Korea, 
I did not know even that I was Asian. And Kim Il Sung told me that I was Kim Il Sung race. Our mm. calendar begins when Kim Il Sung was born. Mm. Like we literally do not know what race is. So I will be the last person can be racist because I never knew the preconception of stereotypes. And now they are calling me I'm a racist, I'm a Nazi, that I'm brainwashed by white wingers. And it's like, you know, I went to Colombia. 90% of Manhattan is a liberal. Right. I should have been like brainwashed by them. It's like, this is a, because what I saw in North Korea, now I see in America. Literally, there's so many similarities. Like, I just recognize what they are now. And when I see it, of course, I just don't want to believe it. And yeah, but we cannot really give up. We got to keep trying. That is exactly right. That is exactly mm-hmm. right. Right. We keep yeah. going. Yeah. Even with sure. terrible facial hair, we keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Never stop. We're luckily not in that boat, me and young yeah. me. So. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the program. I hope that thousands, if not millions of people get to hear what you have to say and listen to your story because it's so powerful and so impactful. And I think that listening to you alone can just change people's world to you. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, thank guys. You. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Right. What an amazing woman. I cannot even explain how excited I was to know that she was going to be on our, our program. So mm-hmm. That's why Amla did her hair different today. <laughs> That's not why I did my hair different today. And it's going to be... People want to know. The braids are going to be back tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. This is just my my interim hair for the time mm-hmm. being. Yeah. It's okay. Listen, this it's is okay. my interim hair. I'm okay with it. I was like, I could not have picked a worse day to be in this hairstyle with Yami Park coming into the office. I was <laughs> devastated. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It doesn't look bad. Oh, thanks, Don't Will. Worry. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. Anyways, guys, if you like that interview and if you are somehow unfamiliar with Yami Park, you can get her book. It's called In Order to Live. Uh, Tyler's going to drop down the link for that in the chat for you guys. You can buy it on Amazon, Barnes Noble, Target, really anywhere you want to buy it. And you the should buy phrasing. it. correct phrasing. I'll tell you because oh, I have goodness. a book Gosh. that people can buy. Gosh. Is the way you say is anywhere books can be sold. Anywhere books are sold. Wow. That's what I say when I'm telling people that where they can buy my book. Okay, well I'm telling anywhere you to buy books. Jan Mew's book. So <laughs> well, they can do both. You can buy both. All right, get a little uh, get a little frisky with your wallet and buy both books. Okay, <laughs> pre-order. Uh, yeah, so so many so many powerful stories and so many powerful people. We're going to get into a very powerful person right now, and that is Jocko Willink. Now, he put out a recent video called If Jocko Was President, and this hit the internet pretty hard, and it was during you know the period where we were going through all of our struggles in Afghanistan, which we are continuing to go through today, and Jocko put out this video saying if he was president, this would have been his statement. So let's get into it. Good evening. I wanted to give you an update on the current situation in Afghanistan. As you know, we were set to leave Afghanistan this month, and as we began the final drawdown, I made some critical errors. Namely, I underestimated the strength of the Taliban, and I overestimated the strength and capability of the friendly Afghan forces. This was my fault. And due to my mistake, the Taliban has taken control of Afghanistan. There are reports now that ISIS and Al-Qaeda are working alongside them. Unfortunately, there are tens of thousands of Americans on the ground there. 
as well as friends and allies of America on the ground. These people, Americans and our allies, are all stranded. And that is my fault. But they will not be stranded for long. In the next 48 hours, America will be in control of most major airports in Afghanistan. Any resistance we meet from the Taliban or otherwise when we seize these airports will be destroyed completely and without mercy. From those airports, we will conduct rapid strike rescue missions until we have recovered and evacuated all our citizens, allies, and friends. Any person that interferes with these operations will be killed. We will also recover or destroy all aircraft, vehicles, weapons, and sensitive equipment that we left behind. Any person utilizing, guarding, or located in close proximity to these weapons or equipment will be killed. Once we have evacuated all friendly personnel and recovered or destroyed the weapons and equipment left behind, we will depart Afghanistan. But we will continue to monitor everything that happens in Afghanistan through our ground and airborne surveillance equipment. Terrorist training camps or activity will be targeted and destroyed. Gross violations of human rights will be stopped through overwhelming force. And any group in Afghanistan fighting for freedom, liberty, and basic human rights will be supported through special operations forces and ruthless precision air power. We will continue that dedicated support until the enemy is no longer a threat to humanity or to the good people of Afghanistan. May God bless America and may God have mercy on the souls of our enemy because we will not. That is all. We all that is all from Jocko Willink. What a powerful video. Uh, and it's an, an expression of leadership that I think people needed during this time with everything happening uh, overseas. And it's it's very difficult to think that that's not uh, the leadership that we got. Uh, it's not the response that we got. And instead, we've got 13 service members who are now dead uh, and killed in Afghanistan. We have $85 billion worth of American equipment left in Afghanistan. We have dozens of American service dogs left in Afghanistan. And we have an entire group of Americans still stuck there and thousands of Afghan allies who are living in Afghanistan now under Taliban rule who thought that they would have our support and now do not. So uh, this video is super, super powerful when you juxtapose it with what's actually happened in Afghanistan. That's a harsh statement. The things that he's saying, the things that he would propose to do as if he were the president. And that's very difficult to hear that you know the amount of times that he used the word killed is for a lot of people a very scary thing it makes sense it is scary mm -hmm. to imagine going over there and killing people and, and doing all of that but it gets to a certain point where it's like what else is america supposed to do at this point when we have people threatening u.s citizens who are living there and and blowing up buildings and, and doing horrible things it's like what else 
are you supposed to do? So it's a powerful statement, and there's something unique about Jocko. The first thing is that he is going on and taking extreme ownership, extreme ownership, as he talks about, and saying, this is my fault for doing this. That is classic Jocko, and I wish that more people, not just in America, but just around the world, and who, and who with, what, no matter what the circumstances, would take more accountability for their actions and have more personal responsibility. So I think that's a great thing. And secondly, is that Jocko didn't have to make this video. He's got a lot of successful things he does with his podcasts and, and books and all sorts of stuff that he doesn't have to put his you know, reputation and well-being on the line to make right. a video like this, but he does anyway because he wants people to know what the truth is and what his opinion on this matter is. So it's like a really brave thing for him to come out and be this type of guy to say that. And honestly, I mean, if it was up to me, I mean, we should make something to thank Jocko. I agree, and I think we can. Um, uh, maybe we'll do like a website or something on PragerU, and you guys can go and submit your thank you letters to him. Because, I, like I said, it's a very powerful thing to do to step out into this very controversial subject matter and take a strong stance on what we should have done as a country, what we should have done in response to what has happened in Afghanistan, and. Uh, should have and, and could have is are two different things we, we are in a different stage right now but it's also super powerful to hear somebody give a strong statement and and a correct statement so i think we'll sort of work on will and i making a website on PragerU to thank jocko for this video hopefully get it shared get other people seeing it because a lot of people are still confused as to what's happening in afghanistan now and and how we could have done better in this situation and he lays out exactly how we could have done better in this so eventually maybe on tomorrow's live we will uh, drop a website link for you guys you can write a little thank you note to him if you'd like will and i will go ahead and sign that put our names on it as well and we can share that I don't know how to make a website, but bring well, your web team we'll if you're watching. We'll figure it out. Okay? <laughs> this is an amazing idea that I had, and you need to take advantage of it, okay? And it's free. You don't uh, have to pay for it. Maybe also on there, we could put a poll and say who is more masculine, Will or Jocko, and ask people to vote. Oh, I would, gosh. I would feel kind of bad because, you know, I don't Do want really, Jocko to be embarrassed. You really want to get so, smacked down that hard, Will? No, I don't think it would go that way. I think it would be the opposite maybe the at the end of maybe at the end of the letter we'll put will takes all credit for creating <laughs> this thank you note for jocko extreme all ownership extreme, extreme, <laughs> extreme ownership that's what it's all about i take full credit okay it's all oh, my fault gosh so, you're welcome you're welcome jocko you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> no thank you jocko for everything we'll get something we'll get something made and it'll be great Okay, moving on to our next story. Now, if that didn't get you fired up, I don't know what else will, but hopefully this next story just heats a little fire in the belly for you. This is a tweet uh, by the AJ Steele Show. I am angry beyond words. My three-year-old grandson, whose dad is a high-ranking military officer, just started preschool at a military-sponsored program. Click to see the racist chart they made on day one. Parents, please wake up and act before our kids and nation are ruined for good. Now, let's pull up this picture. Disgusting. This is... Kids being separated by skin color. For those of you who are going to be listening to this, uh, there's a little board here. It says skin color, and there are little boxes um, that range from dark brown skin tones all the way to white skin tones. And they've taken pictures of each of the children and put them underneath the box that matches their skin tone. What reason would you have to do this? Can anybody give me a reason that anybody would have to do this? Makes no sense to me. I know. It's like, and it's not even... You know, a lot of the times the left will maybe talk about ethnicity and say things like ethnicity are really important. But this is like even beyond that because this is just skin color. 
Right. It's like proves nothing. Like skin color, like one person, like you're black, Amala, and then uh, yeah. for the listeners who might not know, yeah. uh, you know, there's stuff to. Yeah, <laughs> I might not. not watching, I guess they yeah, might not know you're tell. black. She's black, by the way. Yes. Um, and but there's also other black people who might be a little bit lighter than you or a little bit darker than you, but they're exactly. all black. Right. They're all black. Like, why does it matter the certain shade of your skin? I mean, it literally means nothing. It actually a hundred percent, indubitably means nothing. Right, but now you've sent, and this is not even kindergarten. This is not first grade. This is not second. This is three-year-old kids <laughs> that you're doing this to. What are they going to go home thinking about? Three-year-olds, three-year-olds. I cannot imagine they're going to go home thinking, "Well, Johnny was on this side of the board, and Angela was on this side of the board, and Jennifer was on this side of the board, and apparently that means something. Apparently that means what? Uh, the people on the right side of the board are oppressing the people on the left side of the board, or somehow we're in this hierarchy of of skin color." Absolutely disgusting and ridiculous. Yeah, the further left you on the bo- on the board you are, then the more oppressed you are actually being. Right. And the further right is more how oppressive you are. Gosh. <sighs> Three-year-old oppressors. Three-year-old oppressors. Yeah, uh-huh. let's teach them. And it, this goes back to leftist tactics. Tactics. The leftist tactics are we need to teach them as young as we possibly can. And now we've hit the tune of three years old. So crazy and it's because if they can put these mindsets inside of kids at a very very young age it is going to stick and if they can do so in a way that usurps what parents can do usurps what teaching values and morals and actual just goodness can do these kids are going to carry that for the rest of their life you remember things when you're a kid and and this is a, a message to parents teachers whoever is interacting with young people kids remember that and it can be the smallest thing that you thought oh well well i said this to today and whatever i don't i don't remember what i said kids take that to heart kids internalize that stuff and for you to take children and rank them on a board based on their skin color is just so beyond disgusting yeah i'll be honest i don't remember a ton from when i was three years old (laughs) but i remember some things but they're like I don't know. I feel like when you're that young, you don't remember everything, but you remember things that are striking to you that really stick exactly. out. Exactly. And this is one of those things that I would imagine for most of these kids would be that striking thing exactly. to stick out to them later in life. Right. It's like when I when I go through my childhood, you you notice little spurts of things, but they're always something that was that really stood out. That's what you remember. I think this would stand out to me. Yes. Well, you uh, would be pretty close to the middle. So maybe you wouldn't stand I would out be. that much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'd be in the safe haven of my, my skin color. Uh-huh. At I'd this be point. on the far right, which people already think <laughs> I am. Far left? You mean on this on this side? No, far right. Oh, I thought you were going to say because of your tan, you were going to be on oh, the far left. No. Well, at three years old, I did not have a great tan. Oh, like I have okay. Now. Okay. So my mom wouldn't let me. Yeah. Well, maybe she would have let me. (laughs) Mom, you can answer this. You can text me and tell me if you would have let your three-year-old baby get tan. Can't put the text on the show, though. No, I can't put her text on the show. She (laughs) hates that. Yeah, but this is really... Oh, gosh. This is just sad. A total means to destroy people's individuality. Instead of saying you're an individual, like they should have said, like, what kids here like, I don't know, communism. Okay, the three years old. I don't know. But something that it's like they could actually have an opinion on. And then you can separate it and say, oh, these kids like this about the world and these kids don't like this about the world and separate them that way. Skin color, I'm going to reiterate it again, means absolutely nothing. You're putting these kids in a group and it's like, I don't know, can you guys see the cursor on here if I do it? Like you have this mm-hmm. kid and this kid in the whitish, pinkish one and this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid. And it's like these kids probably have things that are not even similar at all to each other. 
They think nothing alike, mm -hmm. but because they have the same skin tone, because they were born with different pigment in their skin, they're grouped in the same category, and the teacher is doing that for their own vanity. I mean, what a, yeah, what a loser teacher. And you know, kids, you're going to associate it with like, oh, these are the kids in my group now because they're in the same row as me. Yeah. And I can't play with the kids in the far left group. They're way right. too dark. So what are you really achieving by doing this? You're achieving segregation in itself. You have quite literally taken your class and segregated them by simply looking at them. So now, instead of coming into school and being like, well, hi, my name's Amala, and I like Barbie dolls and lip gloss, and I want to hang out with people and make friends, and it doesn't matter what skin color they are. Now it's, hi, my name's Amala, my pronouns are she, her, I'm brown, and that's going to be my affinity group. In and I love now. Big Brother. And I love <laughs> Big Brother. Yeah. My mom texted me, and she said, Yes, she let me tan. <laughs> I was a tannest three-year-old baby, I guess. So you'd be a little bit farther farther left on the board then. Good. Maybe you know? farther than me. Hopefully. <laughs> I'm already darker than you now, basically. You kind of are. Tan. Yeah, yeah. I'm you really, you want to do a little, little. <laughs> I don't know if the camera. You can never get it on. Okay, well, was that a bad idea? Oh, well, maybe I'm a little darker. I don't know. I'm pretty dark. You are pretty dark. I mean, that might be darker than yeah, me. Yeah, I think so. Listen, you guys can vote in the chat if you're watching this right now. Yeah, vote We all down know below. Tyler is the whitest one here. Yep. Tyler is... I'm not going to dispute that one. <laughs> I'm going to lose that debate. Mayonnaise boy. <laughs> He's like, I won't even try to fight it. Taylor would try to fight it. Taylor, Taylor's... Well, Taylor thinks... You, we saw that picture. If you guys go to Amla's Instagram, we posted a picture from Taylor's wedding. We did. And look at how dark I am. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I look like a monster. You look like... <laughs> I mean, a sexy monster. <laughs> But a monster nonetheless. Yeah, I was going to say, watch the wording on that one. Somebody's going to make a sound bite of that, and you're of just going to be No, I'm just dead. saying, no, because I'm obviously white. You can tell <laughs> I'm obviously white. Yeah. I just look like I'm I'm so dark. You can barely even see me. couple of super chats here before I move on. 3-8-Flower gave us a super chat. No comment. Thank you so much. And Metal Mike is back in the chat, as he always is. Metal Mike. Metal Mike was on my Crowdcast yesterday. Yes. Which is so cool. He actually said, Will, I enjoyed your book launch yesterday. Thank you. He also said we need to make a Jocko Pink Patriot drink slightly carbonate so that you can slam it down fast. A product of Metal Mike Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. My Thanks, goodness. That's a businessman if I ever heard yeah, of one. Yeah, it is. Thanks, Metal Mike. <laughs> Amazing. Now, we're going to get into one more story here today. And this is a big win. It's been circulating all over social media. Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. And obviously, it's inherently controversial but people are talking about it and this is out of texas tejas they have yeah, now brother. banned abortion after the detection of a heartbeat it's good i wish they would have done more gonna be honest hey. it's a win it's a win it's i'm not gonna win. say it's not a win but you know why not just do it all the way like you you have majority you are a republican governor why not just do it all the way you know just what do I'm it all the way Often I find that these sort of campaigns are campaigns of language. And at the very least, what this means uh, after detection of heartbeat is that it's going to happen after six weeks, which typically is the the date of having a, a heartbeat. I mean, it can now, be up to 21 days for a heartbeat. Right, right. But typically women don't even know that they're pregnant up until five or six weeks. So this is a huge win. This is essentially making all abortions illegal. I'm sure there's going to be a few cases that fall outside of that, but at most points when a woman has found out that she's pregnant, a, a heartbeat is detectable. So this is huge, 
huge, huge, huge. And hopefully it's going to lead a wave of a bunch of states going into the same exact legislation, because this is what we need to see, not only in Texas, but nationwide. Yeah, uh, more, actually. I would still agree. I would st- I'm standing by what I'm saying and just no, I, do it all the way. Obviously, it should be completely you illegal. Know? But that's one of the things. I, I don't want to poop on this because I think it's great. But I just want to say that, like, these conservatives, you have the power. Like, in Florida mm. or in Idaho or Montana or something, like, you have the power to just do it. Or Mississippi. Like, why, why not just do it? You know? Why not just do it? Just get it done. Just do it. <laughs> you can do it. Just you, do it. Literally, you have the power to do it. Why don't you just do it? Like everyone, this is a big deal that this happened. I'm not trying to say this, this is isn't a, a big deal. deal. It's a huge deal. But just do it all the way. Who cares what the left's going to think about you? They're already going to think that you're horrible by doing this, by saying mm-hmm. it's a heartbeat. You know, the left already thinks you're the devil. You could say up to six months. You could say abortion's banned up to six months. And they would say, well, that's horrible because what about seven month olds and like, and all that. And they'll still think you're horrible. It's like, why not just go all the way and, and do it? And just preserve right. life from, you know, conception. No, I, I agree with that. Um, but obviously I'm not mad at this legislative move no, whatsoever. Me, yeah, me, I don't think me. anybody on our on our side of things is mad. Uh, this is a direct hit to Roe v. Wade. Love to see that any day of the week. Again, I hope that more states follow. What's been amazing to see is the pushback on this on Twitter and all of the irrelevant arguments that not only women but men use to defend their stance on being pro-choice. And I myself used to be pro-choice. If you had asked me this uh, three years ago, if this had happened three years ago, I would have been extremely upset. I would have been out Same. in the streets with my pink sign saying we need to protect women's reproductive rights uh, and yelling at our, our senator. But mm-hmm. well, what's not the case. What is a woman? What is a woman? So they're talking question. about taking away women's reproductive rights. That's what all these arguments are about. They're saying, you're hurting women. Like on Twitter, all these people in my mentions when I put a big tweet about it. And they're like, oh, you're taking away women's rights. So sexist and horrible. It's like, I thought there was no such thing as woman. Okay? I thought that men could menstruate. I thought men could get pregnant too. You can't have it both ways, leftists. Okay? You either have to say only women can get pregnant and this is an assault on women's rights. Abortion is an assault on women's rights. Or... That anyone can do it, and this is just an assault on human rights, which just makes you sound stupid. Either way, it makes you sound stupid. So, I mean, either both arguments are incomprehensible to any sort of logic, but they don't make any sense. Or they're talking about, you know, you're stripping away people's reproductive rights. The baby has already been produced, okay? It's, it's not, you, you're not reproducing something. The baby has already been produced. Their argument doesn't even make any sense. It's not even the right wording to use. Right. And let's talk about choice. choice. You have the choice. <laughs> to not get pregnant. You have the choice to not have irresponsible sexual encounters. And and that's exactly what we need to talk about here is not uh, what do I do once I've made a decision that leads to pregnancy? Because you already know what you should do when that happens. I think most people know that abortion is reprehensible. And that's why you'll meet a lot of young women like myself three years ago who will say I'm pro-choice, but I would never do that myself. And it's because they know. It's because they know that they wouldn't wish it upon themselves. And if that is the case, why would you wish it upon others? But yes, you do have a choice. We have extensive contraceptives in this nation. We have extensive uh, pregnancy uh, prevention uh, standards and, and 
different tools that you can use to prevent pregnancy, we also have abstinence. So if you are getting into a relationship or a situation that you think could result in pregnancy, think, do I want to get pregnant? Could I handle having a child right now? And maybe that's the risk assessment you need to do rather than getting pregnant and saying, do I want to keep this child? You know, I'm a big fan of murder, you know. I would never murder someone right. myself, but right. if other people want to murder people, that's totally fine. Totally right. fine by me. I would never do it because I know that it's morally wrong and disgusting and terrible, right. so I'd never murder someone. But other people can do it. That's Who how brainwashed people are. That's it's a, their body autonomy uh -huh. if they want to go it's, murder somebody. It, yeah, they can freely use their own body to stab someone. Exactly. That's, I can't infringe on you know, that right. Their, you know? their scythe of death, their <laughs> choice. Okay? That's that's what it comes down to. But seriously, like, that's how you that's how you know how this is actually in my book. Oh, good. <laughs> Just have to yeah. say, which you guys can pre-order. There's a whole chapter on abortion on how you can change minds. You can pre-order anywhere books are sold. Will Witt's book, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies. But in the book, at the very end, it's like you know that you've won the argument with someone on the left or talking about abortion if they say that exact thing that they would never get it themselves, but anyone else can do it. It's because they know it is morally wrong, yep. but they don't want to come out to other people, making it seem like they're not on the leftist side or on the women's reproductive rights side. You know, they don't want to come out and say that, so they'll never do it themselves, and they know it's abhorrent. Like, why do people get like depression after they have an abortion? If it's just some clump of cells, and why do they get depressed after they have an abortion? They, of course, feel bad about it, mm -hmm. you know? And I already know that in the comments on the YouTube, I don't really, I'm not reading the comments, don't read them, but I already know, and on Twitter, everyone's talking about in, in cases of rape and incest and all these horrible things, and that always comes up with these things. But the thing to remember is just that it, it is such such a small amount of people and every single leftist who you talk to will bring up that argument and say, well, what about what about in the rape and incest cases? And it's like, that's not what this is really about. OK, that is for like point zero one percent of this, of 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 what this is. OK, but they use it as a distraction so that you won't actually talk about the bigger picture. It is a human life. That is what you need to keep your arguments and the things you're talking to people about focused on. Say, let's say regardless of the situation, regardless of of how it was conceived, OK, whether someone being irresponsible or whatever else, is it a human life? Is it a human life? Come to that understanding, figure that out with someone before you even go any further. Because if you don't start with that same common understanding of what it is, then you're not going to be able to change someone's mind. It's just going to be circular arguments. Find out if they think it's a human life. If they do, then you can really win the argument on anything because right. they shouldn't be in support of murder at all. Honestly, we have some time here. We should just keep going through abortion arguments. Arm you guys with the facts here because, look, especially when somebody uses the, the rape and incest sort of loophole to the argument and do this, and this is something commonly used in an argument saying uh well rape and incest oh, that should be what about that what about that what about stuff that women can't control and uh, what about women being attacked or sexually assaulted well look at them and say this okay well let, let's let's concede to your argument let's say that abortion is legal but only for women who have uh been victim to rape and incest is that okay and all other women who choose to be irresponsible and reckless are unable to get abortions. More often than not, those women will say, no, I don't agree with that. I think all women should have the choice. So they use rape and incest arguments as a scapegoat to, to push their ideology and to push their pro-life agenda. They don't truly care about those cases because if they did, they would concede the argument that all other cases outside of that are wrong. And they don't believe that. They don't believe that. So they use it to pigeonhole you and to make you look like a bad person. And that's not the case at all and then you get into the foster care system argument mm -hmm. 
there's more kids who need to be adopted. Yes. Or there's a shortage, I mean. There's a shortage of kids. Yeah, there's there's hundreds of thousands of parents who are looking for children yes. to adopt. Yes. And and it's not happening. And we can say that the foster care system and the adoption care system in this nation is faulty. Absolutely. It is moving at a much slower pace than it should. It is very very hard for uh, parents to adopt or to foster children. But guess what? Abortion and foster care are not in the same argument. If you want to sit with me and have an argument about foster care and adoption, I'm sure we would agree that the system uh, needs to be fixed. But that does not mean that you don't take a moral stance on abortion in the meantime. You can't say, well, it's okay to to murder children and take children's lives until we get the foster care system figured out, until we get a, a streamlined adoption system. That makes no sense. It is not a, a, a perfect argument. It is not a good argument at all. So those are two separate things. And you having a moral Moral conviction on abortion does not change when we come in and factor in the foster care system and adoption. Yep. So yeah, there's so many different. I'm trying to think if I missed any arguments when it comes to the Probably. the there's abortion. There's, there's a lot. lot. There's no, so I can many. Go through so many. Yeah. I mean, just like the fact that people will say, well, you know, it's a it's not a real life because if it were taken out of the womb, it couldn't survive without its mother. Gosh. And it's like a two-year-old baby couldn't survive without its mother. If you left a two-year-old baby alone by itself, it would die. You know, like it's the same type of, ar all of these arguments are just circular arguments that just break down at the slightest bit of scrutiny. And viability changes. There are women whose children are not viable until 21 weeks, and we've, we've seen kids born at 20, and now 19 weeks being completely viable. So if viability changes, especially as science progresses, let's say in 30 years from now, we've developed technology and, and medical equipment that makes kids viable at 10 weeks. Does that now change when life begins to 10 weeks because we've technologically advanced that far? Absolutely not. That means that that child that is within your womb has always been a child, has always been a life. We don't get to dictate when life starts by looking at where our technology can keep that life viable outside the womb. It is a nonsensical argument. It's a non-starter and it changes. It has variability. Your argument should not have variability when it comes to looking at the technology that we have as a nation. That's yeah, all arbitrary all arbitrary mm -hmm. and it's a hard thing to admit especially when we have statistics saying which i don't know how true these statistics are that that one in three women have had uh, abortions uh, now i personally know women that have had abortions and it is a hard thing to grapple with it is something that never ever ever leaves you uh and i don't care what anybody says it never leaves you it never leaves your mind of of what could be and never leaves your mind of, of what have i done and never leaves your mind of have i done the right thing now it's a hard thing to grapple with as if that's true one in three women have had abortions that means that probably three out of three women either uh, know somebody who has uh, had an abortion or have been acquainted with somebody who's had an abortion so it's a hard thing to grapple with to say that's something wrong you did something wrong uh, and that's you know a hard thing to come to terms with as a society but it is something that is necessary because we are losing millions and millions of lives to these practices yeah so yeah. 60 million since Roe v. Wade. Yeah. So it's crazy.
that's crazy to think about yeah. <laughs> and cities like new york city where black uh, children are being aborted more than they're being born so there's just so many different factors we have to take into account here and it's a discussion that needs to be had so i'm glad texas has brought this to the forefront i'm glad that they've passed this legislation although we both agree it should go further it should just be a completely illegal not only in texas but across the nation uh but yeah it's a discussion that's worth having so have that discussion today with somebody that you love or somebody that you know because it's a very important issue Yes, it is. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you guys so much for watching. We do have a couple of super chats here before we say goodbye. User 3477 says, ask them why the rapist gets to live, but the baby has to die. That's a quote from Angela Stanton, a woman who's been raped, but birthed her baby. It's a very, very valid question that we don't think these things through uh, all the way when we when we make these arguments more often than not especially on the left you see an argument you see oh well that's easy and i think that'll shut down the conversation so let me throw that argument out there and they don't expect you to have something to retort back to that and it's an effort to pigeonhole you and it's an effort to make you feel bad so if you can take that argument and go okay let's talk about this reasonably and say yes i absolutely have sympathy and empathy for women who have been raped or uh, undergone sexual assault but let's talk about it through the life of that child does that child suffer for the villainous crime of someone else and that's a discussion that we also should be having another super chat here from page O. everyone read a piece of cake by cupcake brown memoir of a foster kid turned paralegal it's hard to read horrible abuse but inspiring nonetheless yeah another another argument again back to the foster care and adoption system you'd be hard pressed to find a foster care a kid or an adopted kid who says you know what i would rather be dead than be alive i wish my mother had aborted me Uh, good luck finding that person i i'm sure you can try uh but uh, you'd be very very hard pressed to do so and that's part of that argument and you can find stories of foster care kids who absolutely defend their lives and the lives of others and i think we have one more here casey burton says will should identify as a black woman in order to get reparations you know don't tempt me with a good time (laughs) and then one from valerius v i don't know what the reference is to uh but yeah thank you thank you valerius v (laughs) appreciate you and thank you guys so much for watching we do the stream every single day 2 30 pst 5 30 eastern Today, we went over an interview with Yanmi Park, a viral video from Jocko Willink. We talked the abortion ban in Texas and the ridiculous separation of kids by race in their school at three years old. Crazy, crazy stuff. Please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single day when we go live. And if you'd rather listen to us, you know, keep your hands free, keep yourself busy. We're on Google Play. We are on Apple Podcasts and we are on Spotify under Will and Amala Live. Go give that a listen. Follow us on there and leave us a five-star review if you like what we have to say. Yeah, we've been on podcasts, app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play for about a month now, and we've gotten about 50,000 new downloads from you guys. You guys are so amazing. that's really good. So you might as well, more of you, go download the app or to go download uh, our show, Will and Amala Live. You can use any of those platforms. The only one where you can rate us is on Apple Podcasts, and uh, Amala reads all of your guys' comments, so I don't. But Amala does. <laughs> so drop her something nice and say something mean about me. And But as yeah. long as you give us five stars. I send the funny ones to Will, so he might read your comments. Yeah, no, I might. I might. If they're <laughs> funny. If you can make me laugh, oh, that'll be very sweet of you. So. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks. Bye, guys. Peace. See you tomorrow. Bye.